and we're live. I'm here with Hazlitt and Kikadia. Is that how you say it? Chayada. Chayada. I was way off. We're going by Haz and Baz. We got Haz and Baz here. Haz, how you doing? Baz, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Very Thanks good, for thank the invitation. You. I might be a bit delayed because my internet sucks, but so I'll good. try my best to not interrupt everyone. So good. Yeah, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We got two very British people that come and help me make fun of John Oliver, the absolute worst, uh, about why he talked about the British monarchy. I saw this video on my YouTube feed. I was just like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta get my British friends. I gotta get them to watch, watch this now. They gotta suffer with me. I object. I'm not British. I'm English. English. Okay. Well, as an American, anytime you sound funny, I'm gonna call you British. <laughs> just to say that works. Fair enough. You know, I've I've no objections to being called British or English. I'm both. Just not as based. I understand. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, before we get started, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Do some plugs up front. You know, kind of introduce. So, how's your first? This is your first time on. Then we'll have Baz go. Yeah. This is second time on. So. Okay. Well, it's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, what do you want to know? I'm. I'm a Catholic. I, I tweet about, you know, Catholicism, philosophy, theology, political philosophy, economics sometimes. I don't really do much. <laughs> I would like to that. What about, do you have a Substack or anyone your white has, or do you just uh, do Twitter? Um, yeah, I do have a, um, I do have a blog. It's, uh, you can find it. Under my oh. profile on Twitter, Hazlitt underscore free. Um, but I very seldom write anything. Uh, and if and, and when I do, I, I'm not sure if, if it's entirely interesting. But, you know, people might find it interesting and want to read it. Yeah. I've enjoyed what I've read so far. We lost uh, we lost Baz. So hopefully he'll hop, he'll hop back in in a, few, in, a, in a few minutes or so. And we can... Uh, Get back into it. We'll wait for him to hop in before we get started. So we'll just kind of suit the shit for a bit. Okay. So how are you, Caleb? I'm good. I'm good. I went out to dinner with my grandparents today, so I'm doing doing real good. Um, Matthew, so you you you're Catholic now. You're you're British. Yeah. Were you ever Anglican, or were you uh, have always just kind of been Catholic? Um, well, um, I wasn't raised Catholic, nor was I really raised. In an Anglican household, my grandparents were practicing Anglicans, and I attended uh, the local Anglican church with my grandmother for many years. Uh, but I was never a um, I was never a serious Anglican. I was never baptized. My parents, being um, I don't want to say atheist, uh, I don't think there was ever any great thought devoted to the question. They were more more or less indifferent to religion. Um, uh, as my teenage years progressed, I, you know, became interested in philosophy and theology, and uh, essentially read my way into the Catholic Church. Uh, uh, that that was about you know two two years ago, two two three years ago. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I, I someone did the same. Was always Protestant, and then started reading and watching Bishop Bay on YouTube videos, and here we yes. are. Is well, you were raised in a uh, in, in a mega church. See, yep, before before I before I met you, I had no 
uh, I had no idea what a mega church was. Uh, I, I am and, a terrible friend. And, and, and to be honest, I wish I wish I never found out what a mega I, church. <laughs> I am a terrible friend. Here I am now. You know a mega church because of me. Now you got to watch John Oliver because of me. Ah, yeah. I'm a terrible friend. Yeah, I you're I awful, awful, for this one. friend. <laughs> Subjecting me to the to the, to to the worst for what? <laughs> the worst things. Well, it's so it's so bad. Hops back in soon because I want to get this um, video going. Yes, the quicker we start watching John Oliver, the, the, the quicker it's over. Exactly. This, right now, my, you're like at the top of a roller coaster. You're like, I know it's going to be bad going down, but it's going to be fun. But it's just, I don't want to go down yet. And you're just waiting. Uh, but he is he is the worst. Like, I have all the late night hosts. I can't think of many. I, like, you know, Stephen Colbert is pretty bad, but at least he is, you know, he likes Token and is Catholic, I believe. I was, yeah, he, he he's the Catholic one, isn't he? Yeah, that's he right. Is. Yes, he he had Ricky Gervais on. He tried to debate him, and it was just so. I was like, we just gave away the plot. Like you just gave away. It was it was so bad, you know. And he's just he's cringe and awful and smug, but at least he's Catholic, you know. At least he's got that going for him. Hmm. Well, I had no idea who John Oliver was until a few years ago, when I unfortunately became aware of his late night show. I have no idea. He wasn't big in Britain, so I have no idea how he managed to secure, you know, a <laughs> late night slot on American television. We Americans are suckers for British accents. I mean, it's why I brought you guys on. It's not even a good English accent. It's not. <laughs> is he from Liverpool? I think he might be. Uh, no, no offense intended to <laughs> Liverpoolians. <laughs> What's the other Buddhist guy? Hold on, there's two. I'm not being a Buddhist. Where's Where's Trevor Noah from? He's Trevor South African. Noah. South African. It's weird that they have a, a very, I don't know, their accent sounds Buddhist. Like a lot of people calling him Buddhist. Yeah. You got these, these late night hosts. I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated and tired of like, I'll make an argument with a friend and he'll cite a John Oliver video or the Trevor Noah bit has like his argument. I'm just like, what is? Oh, I want to strangle him. <laughs> just like, what are you doing? Okay, well, I don't know if Baz is popping pop back in or not. Uh, he might just be dead. Uh, pray for his soul if he is. We're gonna just we're just gonna go live with what's the. Uh, we just set a screen here and we'll hop into it. Uh, Chrome tabs. Here we go. Ah, let's look at that face. This is, why? Oh, is that John Oliver? In his younger years, I, I guess. Ugh. Is John Oliver Jewish? I mean, just looking at how pathetic he looks and how like upsetting he looks, I am um, be a little racist to me. But yeah, he, he just kind of has that like, like this crotchety, complaining old person. Like, old, old. I don't know. Yeah, He's... it's a very unfortunate physiognomy. Yes, very unfortunate. Okay, let's let's up into this. Can you can you hear it? Yeah. Okay. Regrettably, yeah. Moving on. Our main story tonight concerns the British monarchy. The best thing to happen oh. to White House. Just so uh, whenever you want to say something, let me know and I'll pause it and we can comment on it. Okay. That does since literally everything else. <laughs> the monarchy has given the world royal weddings, at the unveiling of new royal babies, and of course, moments like this. He may have grown up in a palace, but today Prince Charles was doing his best to get in touch with the mood on the streets. Oh, dig that crazy rhythm. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, I'm sorry. I love it. I love that guy already. That's, a, that's my dude now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's obviously been selected by Oliver or his people with the intention of you know, making fun of him. But if anything, it's endearing. It is like he's. I he's a know character. Much of, the, the, I, the king. The king is very much a character. I know very little about him, but I, I view him the way I view any like public figure in England and British public figures, like him and Boris Johnson. It's like I don't know anything about him, but when I see him, I'm smiling. You know. Yes. <laughs> it is the fun to see. Oh no! 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 There is perhaps nothing more pathetic than the world's most famous adult son saying, "Dig that crazy rhythm." <laughs> Well, I can only describe as big narc energy. The monarchy's clearly in transition right now following the death of the Queen, an event that prompted 10 days of public mourning with a massive line of people queuing for hours to pay their respects. But while some were devastated, others had more complicated feelings. The Queen, it's like, I care, but I don't. That's really important. Tell me about the care part and then tell me about the don't care part. I care because it's a person. Our queen is a person who died, like, sad, like... Okay, and then the don't care part? She She ain't done nothing for us. Yeah! I I, I want to... I just... I love how... Their attitude is just like, what's he going to do anything for us, you know? It reminds me of that Eddie Murphy bit. You know who Eddie Murphy is? Uh, no. No. Eddie Eddie Murphy is a uh, black comedian, and a very funny black comedian in America. And he had this joke about, um, women... No, like, uh... You gotta have money if you want to get pussy nowadays. Was a joke, pretty much. <laughs> um, and he goes like, "This is like a Madonna. I'm a material girl living in a material world." You know, they're like, "What's that song?" Well, I got a man, but what has he done for me lately? <laughs> you know, it's like all they have is um, what? Like, well, I got you. It's called "What Have You Done for Me Lately?" <laughs> and that just seems like this these people's attitudes is like, "Well, what has the queen done for me?" You know, there's there's no reverence for a public figure, right? Um, I mean, and. John Oliver agreeing with them. Uh, it just makes one think, what, what, what on earth has John Oliver done for anyone? <laughs> I mean, even if we were to assume that the monarchy was you know, indefensible and that it ought to be dissolved, it, 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 it's still an incontrovertible fact that the late Queen did far more for far greater number of people than Oliver has or ever will do. <laughs> I get that. I had a similar reaction when Big died on the peloton. I don't care because Big was pompous, good for nothing, and let's be honest, voted for Trump. But I do care a little because I know that Carrie cares. Look at her there in his last moments, devastated, doing absolutely nothing. But their ambivalence speaks to the fact that to a degree that Americans may not realise, the monarchy isn't a universally beloved institution, and they were being very nice about it there. Others have been much less kind. In the aftermath of the Queen's death, many sporting events held a minute's silence, but some crowds, particularly in Scotland and Ireland, went a different way, with this song proving particularly popular. Maybe it's because I'm an American and I don't know the history of... I only know like slightly know the history between Scotland, Ireland, and England. But when the Irish people hate on the British British people, I whatever it is, I just go, okay, that's what the Irish do. You know, I don't know the context of any of it, whether who was right or wrong, but when I see stuff like that, I just go, okay, it's Irish people being Irish against British people. You know, I don't yeah. do you have well, any comments on that? 
Well, um, it, it's fascinating. It's a similar situation with the empire. Scottish people and Irish people like to um, attribute empire to the English and present themselves as, you know, um, uh, 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 present themselves as colonies almost of, of, of the English Empire, but that's completely, completely incorrect. The 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 the, the empire was really, in, in in the most real sense, a British empire. In fact, the Scottish played a disproportionately large role in the empire. I think something like a third of officers. It might be a bit. It might be fewer than that. But I think it was a third of officers in the Imperial British Army was Scottish. And I don't know what, you know portion of the total population the Scottish were, but it's certainly not a third. The Irish, too, uh, played a disproportionately large role in the British Empire. Uh, the Duke of Wellington, probably the most famous uh, imperial uh, military commander, he was Irish. <laughs> and, 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 and there are many similar uh, cases. Uh, and of course, the, the, the monarchy itself is... Uh, this Scottish heritage, uh, the Stuarts, of course, being a Scottish royal house. Hmm. Yeah, it, it seems. Um, uh, it's one thing I definitely need to read more into. Is definitely get more my understand more about British history and the uh, understand. You know, I mean, the British Empire was huge. You know, and it's, it seems to be such a a major thing that I just I know just a little about. I really need to read, read more read more into that. I remember the other day people were talking about Cromwell. I'm like, I vaguely know the situation. I really don't know what's going on, who, who Cromwell was. I need to read more into it. Yeah, Lizzie's in a box, which I know sounds insensitive, but I would argue that of all the places they could have charted that she was in, box is actually pretty generous. And look, you can make the case that that is in bad taste. You can also make the case that it's very funny. Two things can be true here. Zar Oliver has Bugman eyes. And it's, it's it's bugging me, like he just has these like de this, these dead eyes that are very like effeminate and emphatic, but also like dead inside and just like it's, 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 it's upsetting yeah. to me. Like it's the way he yeah. looks and his eyes are upsetting. I mean, the, the, perhaps that's what happens to one's eyes after you know you sell your soul to the Hollywood demons. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, They're the eyes of a man who's seen terrible, terrible things. <laughs> Even we got into trouble when Sky TV in the UK cut a couple of fairly benign jokes that we did the week she died. Who knows if this segment will even air on TV over there? And in fact, just in case they refuse, we've actually prepared an alternative show for them where this story is replaced with a 25-minute loop of this video of Winston Churchill <laughs> going backwards down a water slide set to the Benny Hill theme. So they won't have nothing to watch. But in the UK... You couldn't watch this video, could you? you? You couldn't find a link to it. No, 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 not not on YouTube. No. Good. <laughs> but I, you know, I I would much rather watch thirty minutes of Winston Churchill going backwards down a water slide than just thirty seconds of John Oliver's asinine commentary. He's just, uh, it's, he's, he's the worst. <laughs> okay. The argument was that in the wake of the Queen's death, it just wasn't the time for criticism of her or the monarchy in general. It would be impolite. But it's been two months since then. 
And Charles is king now. And while for many, the charm of his mother was in her longevity, she was the only sovereign most Britons had ever known, and her tendency towards silence, you never really knew what she thought about anything, neither of those things are true of her son. Because Charles, a man whose <laughs> face answers the question, what if two cousins had a kid, <laughs> is taking the throne at a ripe age of 73. He had to put it mildly an incredibly messy divorce, and he's been outspoken on a range of topics, from architecture to the environment to his belief in homeopathic medicine, including supporting a controversial cancer treatment which involves 13 fruit juices a day, coffee enemas, and weekly injections of vitamins. The point is, he doesn't have the inscrutability of his mother or enjoy her level of public affection, and his ascent to the throne comes as the UK is facing a cost-of-living crisis. One man even recently confronted Charles directly about this. Charles, we to heat our homes, we have to pay for your parade. Thank you for coming. The taxpayer pays £100 million for you for not Wow, that befuddled oh from him. Stop, stop much that's, that's pure envy. I mean, <laughs> I, I wonder how much the American taxpayer pays for the inauguration or how much the French pay for Macron's solemnities and parades. I would guess probably a similar amount of money because they're fairly similar, um, they're fairly similar ceremonies. Um, it's just, I mean, you could construct a Republican constitution that's completely bereft of, you know, pageantry and, um, and ceremony, but that would be utterly depressing. Um, uh, and I get the impression from Republicans that I've encountered that they that they would be they, they they would be dissatisfied until completely dissatisfied until all the affairs of state you know are conducted in some soulless grey building uh, because they despise anything remotely grand or anything remotely reminiscent of the transcendent because you know they're boring materialists. And they don't understand yes. the importance of mystery and reverence in political life. Every, I mean, everyone nowadays is just so cynical towards everything. They can't look at. I mean, I was, I was at a parade and people were complaining about like how grand the parade was and money being wasted on a parade. I'm like, dude, they don't come. Like, if you're just gonna complain and be cynical about everything, I mean, you can't enjoy inaugurations, coronations, parades, any kind of public spectacle. That is, but like you know, like culturally speaking, you need those things. You know, people yes, need to yeah, yeah, come around right. together. And yeah, you're quite right. These things are equally as important as other, you know, material things. More, you know, more more things that the the, the the you know the cynical person would would describe as necessary. Uh, these things are equally necessary: reverence and mystery and um, encounter with the transcendent. These are all vitally important for the Commonwealth. Absolutely. Says it all there, but that wasn't the only recent protest. Just this week, a man threw multiple eggs at Charles on the street, and when they caught him, he didn't really seem that sorry, given that this was the photo from his... I'll go back real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Just... And when they caught him, he just this he, he, week, he, a man he? threw multiple eggs no. at Charles on the street. And... Like well, one two in front of him. He didn't mean him to kill. Yes, not a single egg struck the king. He threw, like, three or four eggs, and he was quite close, and not a single egg struck the king and I and you know that how providential is that <laughs> King Charles is truly uh what's it uh de grazia king by the grace of God he's divinely protected from the egg that's right <laughs> <laughs> and when they caught him he didn't really seem that sorry given that this was the photo from his arrest that dude just looks pathetic <laughs> yeah I mean he looks like uh, an anarchist an anarchist <laughs> agitator 
troublemaker, <laughs> Twitter anarchist. Yeah, I won't say who. We all know who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guarantee you this guy has some – this guy's on Twitter somewhere. It's yeah. being annoying right now, and it's just yeah. – you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Hey, what? <laughs> he was released on bail with conditions including, and this is true, not being allowed to be within 500 metres of the king and not being allowed to possess any eggs in a public space. <laughs> Which really shows just how far the power of the monarchy has fallen. A few hundred years ago, it would have been instant beheading. Now the punishment is, be careful in the refrigerated aisle. <laughs> so given that Charles is now king and will actually have a formal coronation next May to be beamed by cameras all around the world, before all that happens, we thought tonight it might be worth looking at the British monarchy, specifically to ask what the point of it is. First in the UK, and then in the countries around the world where the monarch still serves as a figurehead. And let's start with... I guarantee you, most of you haven't watched... I've actually, I, this is my first time watching it. I tried to watch it to prepare, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the first half. Um, I, I couldn't go any further. This is going to be awful. Not, not, not by myself. I needed, <laughs> I needed your emotional support. To, I needed moral support to finish the whole thing. That's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, it's, I guarantee you, as arguments about, like, what is this tier four is this going to be completely materialistic complaining about like well it's yes. it's they do events that are they, yes it's just going to be a complete lack of like idea of a, the importance of a culture you know it's, it's yeah. just, that's going to be yeah. awful it's, it's not only a cultural function they fulfill they also fulfill a, well the monarch himself fulfills a vitally important constitutional function mm. so like the whole thing wouldn't work without the king let's get into it but the very basic question of what does the royal family do it's something that even they have had trouble defining in the past, as this clip of Prince Philip from 1968 demonstrates. Could you tell me what is your job in your own mind? <laughs> well, I've got one. I'm self-employed. <laughs> but surely you must have some clear idea of what role you fulfill in modern society. Very difficult to answer. Wow! It's honestly kind of amazing to watch him initially laugh that off before considering the question and then facing something of an existential crisis. <laughs> but since that question seemed to stump him, perhaps... So they're not, going to, they're not going to play, like, the rest of his answer. Because well, you notice that Prince Philip said it's difficult to answer. And yes, it is difficult to articulate what the monarchy does. It requires a bit of thought, and, you know, perhaps that... I haven't seen that interview, but perhaps he then proceeded to articulate his role but of course they you know they cut it short unlike in the us where the head of government and the head of state are the same person in the uk those are two very different roles because while for centuries the british monarch had huge political power it was gradually stripped away over the years to the point that the position is now largely symbolic the, the monarch's main role as head of state is to receive incoming and outgoing ambassadors and visiting heads of state and to make visits abroad. Here is the Queen meeting Narendra Modi. Here she is taking a carriage ride with Vladimir Putin. And here she is with former President Trump. Just two people delighted to be there. <laughs> you, know, you don't usually see a pair so unhappy while wearing fancy costumes outside of cats on Halloween. <laughs> there are also smaller responsibilities they do too, like visiting factories and opening things. I love this photo right here. <laughs> the, the flail and the scissors in the hand with the whisked up. I just, I, that is, a, that is a, the sunglasses. That is a beautiful photo. Yes, Charles is a very, um, very fashionable man. 
very much like his um, his great uncle uh, Edward VIII. He's got some drip, you know. Is that a, is that a pinky wing he has on right there? Yeah, that's a, a little... signet ring. That's um, I think oh, it's it, it's a it's a gold signet ring with the insignia of the Prince of Wales. And he is, of course, the or was the longest serving Prince of Wales in in the history of that um, in the history of that position. Hmm. So it's obviously something that's you know close to his heart. I mean, let's compare this guy to this guy. I don't know who that guy is, but that's um I think that's Prince William. I can't quite see, but judging by the absence of hair on his head, that's probably <laughs> Prince William. This guy looks like he has more fun in life. You know, he just looks like he has a good time. And also, and this is true, sending people birthday cards when they turn a hundred. Basically, think of the royals as Mickey and Minnie at Disneyland. They're not running the rides, but they're a mascot for the whole operation, and people kind of like having their pictures taken with them. And the royal family's defenders will say that the ceremonial aspect of the monarchy is really the whole point. In fact, the royal family's official website describes the role of sovereign as a focus for national identity, unity and pride, and that it gives a sense of stability and continuity. But that comes at a price. As you heard that man yell yeah. earlier, Britain, Here it is. He, so he, he, he's essentially dismissed that the, that the monarch as the head of the nation is, a, is an important role. Uh, which is utterly ignorant. I mean, the, the, the monarch is the head of British society, uh, and if the monarch did not exist, the prime minister or the president would be the head of British society. You know, Rishi Sunak and his wife would be the people who would receive foreign ministers. Uh, they would be the people to host, you know, the, you know, the first parties. Uh, they would be the... Um, they would be like you know, the, the 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 focus point of pageantry and ceremony, and they would represent Britain in the in, in the minds of in the minds of the world. Um, and I, I just think problems would abound if we were compelled to change every five years the visible head of our country. I mean, look at America. Um, yeah, <laughs> look know, at America. We were when Trump hosting a football teams with McDonald's. Yeah. Too. I, I don't know. I don't even know what Biden hosts. Yeah, you know? and, and and democracy is a method for selecting. The head of the nation is is, is not a, does not have a particularly good track record. Uh, the, the House of Commons is populated by people who get there merely for you know personal or self interested reasons. Um, and like I said, democracy is a method for selecting rulers uh, is awful because it incentivizes fiends and liars and thieves and kleptomaniacs and prideful people and so forth. Uh, and so, if the highest position in the land was exposed to um, was exposed to public competition, uh, this base ambition and pridefulness and covetousness uh, would, would would be dramatically increased, and politics would offer a prize that would appeal only to the very worst uh, kinds of people. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not not a fan of democracy. Yeah, me neither. I also love how he he just he discounts the like sense of stability and continuity and the um like this national pride and sovereignty all this because like well it costs money like yeah I agree like things cost money and you should try it's to like you said purely materialistic he discounts the entire like cultural relevance of events you know I mean yeah. in America we have the Super Bowl you know do you know how much money the Super Bowl costs to make to put on 
you know, that, that is our big American event, is these giant sporting events. And if you not go racing, you know, if, if they got rid of the Super Bowl and, and football in Zinwolf, the, I mean, so much of American culture, just like, culturally speaking, is just like rooting for your sports team. Like, I root for the Florida Gators. Have I ever watched them play? Maybe twice, <laughs> you know, but it's what you do. You're in Florida, you root for the Gators and the Buccaneers, you know. I don't really yeah. like either team, but I, I support them. And if you got one of these teams, people's like connection to the land, connection to their neighbors would just be gone. It's with this pathological hatred of monarchy that Oliver typifies. Uh, it's really rooted in egalitarian predilections. Um, you know, they look in a monarchy, the monarch is literally born to rule. So no matter his temperament, no matter his disposition, he will be king, you know, unless he dies before he accedes to the throne. And the king is therefore motivated by feelings of duty and heritage and continuity and reverence. Um, and so a king is a far superior head of society than any politician. Not always, but generally speaking, on the basis of those things, he's going to end up being a better head of society than whatever democracy was... produces. And I would rather bow to a hereditary monarch than a sociopathic politician. Yes. I'd rather bow to someone who's who's born and bred to rule than someone who's climbed the greasy pole of politics, who's lied and and you know who's lied their way to the top, who's utterly duplicitous, who's mm -hmm. done terrible, terrible things for power and advancement in politics. I'd rather bow to a hereditary monarch than to Tony Blair. I, how, how, I just noticed this, John Oliver is super like, he would talk with his hands, which I do too, but in the way he does it, it's very just, it's like, feminine? Has, is it a very, feminine? Very, very I think effeminate it's a feminine. and very, it's like he's compensating. He's very effeminate with like, he moves his head, he talks, I talk with my hands too. But I normally it's like one hand or I yes. or something. But he's over here just like doing this number and he's like leaning in, leaning back. And I'm like, just sit still. Sit, sit fucking still. Yeah, sit on <laughs> sit on your hands. This is what I love. Like when I watch Walter Screw and talk, he's just so in control and like pause and beautiful when he talks. Who? Sorry, who? Walter Scruton. So Walter Scruton. Yes. Yes. He is, he is the way he talks is like exactly how people say give speeches, you know? And how he used to talk. He's yes. I found out about him like a month after he died. <laughs> Oh, that, that's a shame. That, it was. No, I was he Roger Scruton, wonderful, wonderful scholar. Yes, he's... Uh, Bodes and I are going to cover uh, Sexual Desire and, what's it called, um, On Human Nature soon from him. Oh, great. Um, yeah, he's he's incredible. I remember a few months ago, Bodes wrote an excellent Scrutonian piece on the nature of beauty. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yes, but Bodes is... Bodes avid is fan of Scruton. Bodes um, is a great Scruton's guy. It's got like he knows a lot about Scruton, and he just he covers him well. I actually want to get you, Bodes, and ha and Grant together to do a uh, Scruton's. I drink, therefore I am. I think we'd have a good time covering that, drinking some wine. Yes, yeah, that would be great. I am. Yes, millions fun. of pounds every yes, year yeah. to support the royals. Although some will argue that it's actually money well spent. Interestingly, the British state gives, or the government gives the royal family 100 million pounds per year, roughly. It's called the sovereign grant to pay for upkeep. But tourism generated by the royal family generates about 500 million a year. So that's five to one. I would take, I would take that investment return. 
Right, the monarchy's defenders argue that whatever money the royal family cost is vastly outweighed by what they bring in. It's the exact same argument thousands of men have made to their wives about investing in crypto. <laughs> and it's going really well for them right now. But a few things about that. First, the claim that they bring in 500 million a year in tourism is heavily disputed. And it is not like that goes away if the royal family does. You can still visit a palace if nobody lives inside it. No one shows up to Versailles and says, wait, no one lives here? It's a hard pass from me. <laughs> and the notion that the monarchy only costs 100 million pounds also has some major asterisks on it. Because while it is true that, as is often said, the sovereign grant amounts to just over a pound a person in the UK, it's by no means the royal's only source of income. The new king now has three main sources of wealth. The sovereign grant, money the UK Treasury gives the crown to fulfil its royal duties. The family's private wealth, the full extent, a closely guarded secret. Then, the Duchy of Lancaster, a private estate of land, property and assets. The monarch receives its annual profits. The Queen received $27 million from it last year. It's true, the Duchy of Lancaster is a massive property portfolio containing land that, incidentally, was seized by the monarchy back in the 13th century and from which they continue to draw personal profits to this day. So, as King, Charles gets money from the government, money passed down through his family, and money from the Duchy of Lancaster. And none of that includes the Duchy of Cornwall, held by whoever holds the title of Prince of Wales. It used to be Charles, now it's Prince William. That is a separate billion-dollar real estate portfolio, nearly the size of Chicago, by the way, which includes seaside vacation rentals, office space in London, and a suburban supermarket depot. That alone brought in $26 million in additional income for the family last year. So the royal family's wealth, unlike their gene pool, is massive. <laughs> And while in 1993, in response to public anger over their spending, both the Queen and Charles agreed to pay voluntary income taxes, that arrangement isn't necessarily permanent. Meanwhile, the two duchies are completely exempt from corporation taxes and Charles doesn't have to pay any inheritance tax on whatever the Queen passed on to him. And when you factor all of that... Well, it's going to be an inheritance tax anyway, John. The... <laughs> I, I, I get... This is my pet peeves, and people are just like... Things like inheritance tax or these things that is like tax. Like, I'm not a huge like anti-tax guy, you know. Obviously, you need tax for society to operate. Um, but when people kind of just like offhandedly bring up these uh, awful programs, as if they are shouldn't even be questioned, you know, they just kind of bring them up as like, an argument. Like well, that's the point I want to actually question. That's background right there. That it shouldn't be an income tax. Yeah, and just, they can't just bring it up flippantly and move past it to support the point. Like you're bringing up a bunch of objectionable things on the way to your whole point. And it's, it's, again, this is why I don't like late night comedians when then people make the arguments off of them because I know people who are joke who make arguments like this and they just bring up all these things along the way to the argument argument that are just already objectionable and they just breeze past it to get to the next point. And I'm like, dude, every every claim you made in that line of statements, I want to push back on. But you move past all of them and tend to make a joke that you just it's ridiculous. Yes, and I don't know about you, but these these um economic arguments for or against, they're not particularly interesting to me. Or you know, uh, I incline to the view that the monarchy probably pays for itself, but even if it didn't, uh that wouldn't lead me to say, well, better abolish it then. Uh, because I think the 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 point of the monarchy and it's great. Um, the great service it renders is not is not you know that it is a source of lucrative income. It's cultural. It's historic. It's so it's grounded in reverence and mystery. Uh, it's about history and continuity and and our ancestors. 
and not just our ancestors, but our, our descendants. Um, so this purely materialistic argument for or against the monarchy, it just does not, I just don't care, frankly, yeah. whether it pays for itself, whether it's, you know, breaks even or whether it's costing us. It's completely immaterial, in my view. I would agree. That in, it sure starts to feel like they're costing a hell of a lot more than just a pound per person. So, is it worth it? Well, people can disagree. I think my position on the royal family is pretty well documented. To me, they're like a human appendix. We've long evolved past needing them, and there's a compelling case for their surgical removal. But <laughs> I admit, I am in the minority when it comes to British people. Many feel exactly like this woman does. I just think it's nice that we have it, and it makes us a bit unusual, unique. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that we have it. It's a, a British thing, isn't it? And I think a lot of people would like what we have. Okay, but, but it's nice that we have it. Isn't what you say about a freeloading multimillionaire family exempt from paying most taxes. It's what you say about a water dispenser in your fridge. As for being a British thing, that's not a great he's, justification. He's... Oliver's sort of ridiculing this woman, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the most eloquent defense of monarchy, but it but it's but it's a it's a very understandable and important one. Monarchy is the most intelligible form of government ever, you know, throughout human history. People understand monarchy. People don't really understand liberal constitutional democracy, but on a very instinctual level, people understand monarchy. And I think that's mm -hmm. what that woman was. Um, essentially saying. I mean, I, th I think he got to the point, like, culturally speaking, like, it's, it's, very, it's British, it's unique. He was, so you got to, like, the codes who were, he was kind of like, you kind of, you could get the sense he was kind of like trying to speak about the codes who effects and the impact of having a yes. centralizing figure like that. And he kind of just dismisses it. And again, this, another late night host thing, it's like, this is the same thing I brought with, like, Fox News when they just interview, like, people, random, random people on the street and he's got to base their arguments off of, you know? It's like, here we are, you know, engaging with John Oliver. Granted, not much better than when a person on the street. But it's, at least we have someone we actually trying to engage with here who's making, at least tending to make an argument. He's just picking a random person on the street who had an interview, had a camera thrown in their face. This is probably a day or a few days after the Queen had passed, probably. Yes. And it's yeah, just like, you know, exactly. I'd love to see him put up, like, an actual, like, monarch defender, you know? Like, I like, I don't know what I don't know what this crew had to say about the monarchy, but I imagine he can make a better defense than... It'd probably make a better defense and a better attack against it than anything Oliver can offer. Roger Scruton had a wonderful, wonderful line about the monarchy. Um, I'll paraphrase, I'll be butchering it, but but he this is essentially it. He he said that the monarchy was the the light above politics. I like and, that. and that's true because in in the British constitutional system, the the the, the king or the queen reigns but does not rule. The affairs of state. Uh, Walter Badgett, the um, uh, Victorian jurist, he he said, or he argued that the British Constitution essentially has two principal elements: the efficient and the dignified. The efficient referred to Parliament and the executive contained within it. The efficient runs the affairs of state; they do the actual governing, and the dignified, the monarch. Uh, the, the function of the monarch is to generate reverence and to generate mystery and to and thereby to provide legitimacy and authority for the efficient 
and that the reason the British constitutional system, so said Badgett, worked so well was because we had the efficient and we had the dignified and the efficient and the dignified worked in close union in their separate spheres of action, uh, but they worked in harmony with each other and that each depended upon each other and that they were inextricably intertwined. So if you were to surgically remove the monarchy, as um, Oliver suggested, then people like Badgett would argue that the, the, the great success of the British constitutional system would, would immediately come to a close because the, the, the essence of the success is, is the union between the efficient and the dignified. And if you abolish the dignified, the efficient won't be as efficient. Either you know what else is a British thing? Mushy peas. <laughs> if you've never had the pleasure, imagine emotionally unavailable guacamole. <laughs> They're like if mashed potatoes killed themselves. But the fact is, 67% of people in the UK feel that the monarchy should remain. So for now, it does seem secure there. But that brings us to the second part of this story, because abroad, their role is a much more open question. Charles as king is now head of the Commonwealth of Nations, a loose alliance largely composed of former British colonies, 14 of which still have the British monarch as their titular head of state, in spite of being self-ruling nations. These are those countries. And debates have been raging for a while in many of them about what the crown represents. As we mentioned back in March, William and Kate had to cancel the first stop on their royal tour through the Caribbean due to overwhelming local protests. And in Australia, in the wake of the Queen's death, the Women's Aussie Rules Football League held a moment of silence for her. But given that they were, by sheer coincidence, in the midst of a 10-day tribute to Indigenous players, they opted not to do that for the rest of the mourning period, prompting this man to freak out. What a disgrace, seriously. I mean, that, that any sporting organisation in this country would think there is any reason not to honour the Queen is a joke. And why can't they have a minute silence in Indigenous Week anyway? I mean, it, it, you know, Indigenous people are Australian people. They were subjects of Her Majesty the Queen. And you can have your arguments about colonialism or whatever, but the Queen in this country and for the world was a force for good. What? You, you can't just gloss over. I just want to say that guy looks much more happy with life than Zon Oliver. He does. And he he's got a more far superior suit. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a far superior accent. He has far superior opinions. Uh, he's just a far superior human being. Even his glasses look better. The hairline, the glasses. Just yeah. in general, he just looks yeah, better. The, the, pocket, the pocket square and the tie and like, the grey suit. If I, just, if I just came to this video completely blind and saw this 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 image right here. I go that guy on the left probably has better opinions. Just from looking at you, yeah. that guy on the left seems like a better guy. Yeah, yeah. Physiognomy truly is a legitimate science. Yes. <laughs> the entire history of colonialism. There, it's like saying have all the arguments about murder or whatever, but at the end of the day, Charles Manson was a family man. <laughs> That's it. Right again. Again, this is the argument every young person nowadays thinks is an argument. If I just take the same thing this guy said, but swap out some names and make it a joke, therefore, it's now the same thing, and I'm just mocking yes. you and debunked it. And it's like, no, you haven't. You didn't do anything. All you did was... <laughs> yes. it's well, so I mean, I mean my, my view is that colonialism was a, was a force for good, if, if, you, if you consider the thing in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Like, lands like Africa and Australia, uh, colonialism was without question the single greatest thing to ever happen to them. 
I mean, people today are inclined to say disparaging things about colonialism, but uh, before the British arrived in Africa, uh, there were no hospitals, there were no roads, there was no wheel, there, was, there wasn't even any written language. We have no idea, you know, before, before the advent of colonialism, what was happening in Africa, because there was no written language. Uh, there's just oral tradition. Um, and not, not, not to say that there were no indiscretions or abuses, uh, but I think we have to, like anything, we have to evaluate colonialism not only on the basis of its demerits, but on the basis of its merits. Yeah. And I would, I would say that the merits far outweigh the faults of, of, of the British Empire. I mean, this is argument people make where it's like, if you left them alone, it would have been fine. I'm like, they didn't have a wheel. <laughs> no, they didn't have the wheel. And pe people the say, wheel. Well, the, reason, the, reason, the reason Africa is poor today is because, you know, the Europeans came along and uh, and you know, ravaged the land and took all the natural resources. Okay, well, European colonialism really didn't get underway in Africa until the 19th century. Um, what exactly were the Africans doing with the resources before the 19th century? Um, absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, this idea, oh, Africa's poor today because uh, because, because of colonialism. No, um, there are there are reasons why, and uh, I don't think. I'm not sure if we're allowed to discuss them, but, um, but it's not at all because the British came and built roads and hospitals and introduced modern medicine and modern modern you know legal system and two-story buildings. That's not why Africa's poor. That's why, if anything, Africa's not terribly poor. That's the reason Africa's only poor and not terribly poor because the Europeans came along and and actually you know did something. With the resources in Africa. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about that history, starting in Australia, where Indigenous people suffered greatly under colonial rule. Researchers have found evidence for conservatively nearly 200 massacres of Aboriginal people at the hands of British military and colonial police, and hundreds more by colonists. And when the Queen herself visited Australia in 1954, First Nations people were not counted as part of the population and children were still being forcibly removed from their families to be assimilated into white households. So have your arguments about colonialism or whatever <laughs> is very much what we should be doing, not glossing over it and forcing people to mourn a symbol of a painful past. And that's just Australia. If you really want to talk about colonialism or whatever, or litigate the extent to which the Queen or the monarchy in general has been a global force for good, Let's do that. And let's start with the full extent to which the monarchy was intricately involved in the transatlantic slave trade. After Britain invaded Jamaica in 1655, the Royal African Company was set up by royal charter under King Charles II. The RAC went on to transport more enslaved Africans to the Americas than any other single institution ever, lining the pockets of the Stuart monarchs. Many of those trafficked were branded with the initials DY, as in the Duke of York, who led the company and later became King James II. That's true. The direct ancestors of today's royal family were investors in the Royal African Company. No, no that's and not they... true. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm not sure if John Oliver is aware of the so-called Glorious Revolution, 1688, but the, the king and the late queen are not direct uh, descendants of James II. Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, I, let me think. They are. They would be like first cousins, nine 
or 10 times removed, something like that. They're, they're both direct descendants of James I, but the king is not a direct descendant of James II. Uh, why? Because James II was a Catholic convert. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the Protestant parliament did not take too kindly to, to his professing the true religion. Mm. I don't know much about the uh, Royal African Company or the uh, African slave trade. I do know that in most places where there was a slave trade, it wasn't necessarily whites riding around on horseback and, you know, lassoing uh, black people. It was more or less black people selling other black people. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And people don't, um, you know, the, the... What was that movie on? I was going to say the opponents of slavery. That's not true because we're opponents of slavery, but the people yes. who... Uh, who, who um, kick up a big fuss about the European role in the slave trade? They don't. Um, they don't tend to dwell on the fact that Africans were sold into slavery by other Africans. Uh, nor do they dwell on the fact that the British Empire uh, ended slavery. Yes, it practiced slavery, but it also ended ended slavery at great financial cost. Um, great financial cost to itself. Uh, I think. If we're to, you know, use if, if if we use that dreadful phrase people use, if we're to have a conversation about <laughs> slavery, we need to uh, we need to bear in mind that not only did the European, not, well, not only did the did the British practice slavery, but the British also abolished slavery and then um, went out onto the high seas to uh, put a end to slavery. Uh, you know, the British, the Royal Navy was the instrument by which slavery was was abolished. Mm. Of course, it was abolished legislatively, but in practice, it was the Royal Navy that put an end to the to the you know abhorrent practice of slavery. Did you happen to see the trailer or hear about that movie, The Woman King? Um, I haven't seen the trailer, but i've I've heard I've heard about it, and I think what I read on Twitter was that this woman king uh queen as you know normal people would would say i i think she um sold africans to, to into into the transatlantic slave yes, they were the big, they, i believe they were the biggest uh like source of slaves and then they were beat by the spanish <laughs> yeah okay it's, 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 that's, spanish. That, that, that's like wakanda in real life <laughs> It's not Black Panther. It's not. No, no, no. It, 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 it's an African tribal leader selling other Africans into slavery. There was but, some uh, joke I heard. It was. Um, Wakanda forever, I suppose. Wakanda forever. There was. Um, <laughs> there's this place in America. It's. Uh, it's called. Um, oh my God! What is it called? Uh, I legitimately think it's called Jesus Land. I'm not positive. Jesus Land. I, wow. I, I'm trying. It's like basically a theme park where they have recreated the Ark of the Covenant. Not the Ark of the oh, Covenant. Oh yeah, yeah, no, the, I, the Ark I, of I Noah. Heard of this place. Yeah. Did, did they it, build like a um a replica of the uh, of the Noah's Ark? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. but it, and then they have like the recreated like Jerusalem and stuff. And right. I want to go there and take a photo and say I visited um, America Mecca. <laughs> yeah, but I I, I think are these people like rather rather trenchant protestants i don't think they take too kindly to a catholic turning up no i'm gonna just walk in like this is where the mother of god sat and they go get out of here leave they, I, I should uh, i should go where young, I, think, I think they're i think they're young earth they are. i think yes yeah. ken ham was very i think i believe ken ham was involved in a lot of it oh right he's, okay. yeah. he's so if you do go what? just you know don't don't tell them you're catholic and don't tell them oh that you're i'm wearing a t-shirt <laughs> no you'll be you'll be crucified i need to <laughs> 
I need to make sure as long as I'm long as long as the cross is upside down, I'm good to go. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, just just tell them you're you know you're a Jew. They they love Israel. They love you. Just tell them that. That and, is the um, conversation for another time. But the amount of Jewish love the Protestants give is just it's so. Cause I, someone's like so. I, yeah. I don't even have time to get into it right now, but as an example, I could say I anything I want to my dad about like any topic, and he's like on board. You know, I will make allusions to like. Yeah, Nazis having a, a good reason to, to like, form the Nazi party because of all the subversion going on in Germany. And he will agree with me. But the moment I say it was Jewish subversion or make anything about Jews, he immediately doesn't have the conversation. Yes, well, you, you can derive all sorts of silly um, conclusions from scripture if you don't have the, the guiding light of the magisterium to tell you what scripture actually means. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a problem of interpretation yeah. without authority. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were biblical anarchists who removed Paul from the Bible because they can't reconcile Romans 13 with anarchism. Right. Yes, exactly. I think they're called dispensationalists. I think that's the term people use. Maybe not the persistence. Well, a, I, think, I think you might know a bit more about the various Protestant sects that I, I could do. write a book on it. <laughs> it's like, it's like a very funny comedy book. This is one of all the extreme sects of Protestantism. <laughs> Initials literally branded into people's skin. And both the trade of enslaved people and the high-demand products that they produced, like sugar and tobacco, went to enriching Britain, strengthening its empire, and by extension, filling royal coffers. And I do get that people shouldn't be held personally responsible for whatever their ancestors did. But trying to talk about the British role in the slave trade without talking about the monarchy? It's sort of like trying to talk about Jeffrey Epstein without talking about the monarchy. They are inextricably linked. Okay, that's the one funny. That's the one funny joke that John Andrews made thus far. Yeah. Comfortable, they might find that fact. Yet, despite all of that, no one in the royal family has ever apologised on behalf of the crown. Instead, they've tiptoed around culpability with passive voice statements like Prince William saying slavery was abhorrent, or Prince Charles going to Ghana and saying this: "The appalling atrocity of the slave trade." and the unimaginable suffering it caused left an indelible stain on the history of our world. While Britain can be proud that it later led the way in the abolition of this shameful trade, we have shared a responsibility. We have a shared responsibility to ensure that the abject horror of slavery is never forgotten. But listen to that. He can't even mention how awful the slave trade was without in the same breath mentioning that Britain led the way in abolishing it. British people love to talk about their role in abolition. But Charles left out a lot there, including that while, yes, the British did abolish the slave trade in 1807, it allowed plantation slavery to persist in colonies for decades after, meaning full abolition didn't follow for another generation. But the larger point here is you can't have it both ways. You don't get to take the credit for abolition without... I was going to say, if someone was, like, in face-to-face -face talking to me with that many hand gestures, I think it's a side of fights going to start. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's... when someone's that offended with their hands, it means that if I... They, they're weak or they're going to get really aggressive soon. You know, it's... Yeah, I, I think it's indicative of his not being very composed, not being very calm. Um, I don't know, perhaps he's angry. He's... <laughs> He's he looks like a sad angry guy. But... Yeah. It's very peculiar. It's very sad. 
this, 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 I can't. I, I'm, I'm getting upset. I, I'm, I'm upset just looking at him right now. Without taking the blame for what led up to it. If someone intentionally set fire to a Quiznos, then hours later, what's a Quiznos? Fire uh, a Quiznos, it's a uh, like a sub stop type deal. I've never oh. been either. But this, there's like one in all of all my uh, county. I've never been because I swear, dude, I drive past it probably once every two weeks. And every time I drove past it for the past, let's see, 16, past eight years, I, I've never not seen a cop car with his lights on in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, real America. Yes, it is. And so this Molotov cocktail thing seems pretty believable to me. <laughs> Ouch. They wouldn't get to post a picture of themselves holding a hose with the caption, so I did a thing. Oh, That's not what? the... Why does he insist on speaking like a teenage girl? He's a he's an old, grey-haired man. It's it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed just watching yeah. this. I, the second-hand quiz is just, it's hard to watch right now. It is hard story, is it? Also, for what it's worth, the effect of slavery clearly isn't just in the past. The UK was paying for it in a very literal sense incredibly recently. Because when Britain finally abolished slavery in its colonies in the 1830s, it took out a loan of 20 million pounds, but not to compensate enslaved people. Instead, it went to enslavers who wanted compensation for the loss of income from their properties, which, to be clear, meant people. That is about 17 billion pounds in today's money. And up until 2015, the British state was still paying off the debt. Amazingly, many... Again, this is just, it's just, he's so, it's this materialist thing where it's like, well, we, the monarchy is back and it costs money, ignoring the coats were impacted, the patents tree and the transcendent beauty of all of it. And now it's like, well, we're literally getting people freedom. And they're complaining that they had to pay, they, 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 instead of killing people, like in, like in America, you know, how, how many, how many plantation owners were killed in the Civil War when they could have been easy to just, you know, like England bought people's freedoms? You know, I mean, someone did the math once. And it was like, for the cost of the Civil War, they could have bought every slave's freedom, given them four acres of land and, and a donkey. <laughs> Is that true? I wow. believe that's the numbers. Yeah. The Civil War was that expensive. And the loss of life, I mean, the amount of damage of property, the loss of life, the drafting of soldiers, yeah. the, amount of, the amount of money is it's hugely expensive and violent now, war. Yeah, now I don't know an awful been... lot. Of, I don't know an awful lot about the history considering around the American Civil War, but that would seem to suggest that perhaps the motivations for uh, the North invading the South were perhaps not entirely due to its uh, opposition to the institution and practice of slavery. Uh, perhaps it had other <laughs> motivations in in invading the. The, the southern states. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, the God. It's, it's, it's the mm, the nothing I hate more. Like, I hate a lot of things, but one thing I really hate a whole lot is just people who um they state a historical point very like flippantly and completely ignore all the things going on around the times. You know, like they will say, "Well, the Civil War had to be fought because slavery was bad." I'm like, okay. Well, yes, slavery was bad, but look at the, if you want to get materialistic about it, the money spent, the time spent, the loss of lives, the white to weight laws in Louisiana, the, um, the arresting of preachers who weren't saying the prayer to Lincoln, the abolition of free speech for journalists. You really want to say all of these other evils were so were lesser compared to slavery when it all could have been avoided if they just simply did like the British did and just bought their freedom. Yeah, I, I think there's, again, I don't know an awful lot about the American Civil War, but I believe there's a quotation from Abraham Lincoln, where he essentially says that um, if if he could reconquer the South without freeing a single slave, then he would do it. 
Yes, he said that. And, 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 and Zinwa Lee, right, okay. And Zinwa Lee so, said if yeah. he could free every slave and not have one soldier die, he would free every slave. Yeah. So this kind of give you a perspective on who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. And that historically speaking, everyone says Lincoln is, but Lincoln, I mean, to his deathbed, Lincoln still wanted to deport all the black people to Madagascar or Cuba. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yes. He had legitimately had plans and he wanted to deport because he didn't believe black people, white people could live together in harmony. He wanted to deport all black people. <laughs> the civil, the, the amount of propaganda when it, the, it, right. like, history, it's not hard, honestly. Like, you can just read a few books and kind of get a better sense of history. And it's so much of history. Uh, it gets so bad. People will say, history's written by the victors. Like, yeah, so it's propaganda. Well, no. I'm like, okay. What do you mean by that? What, 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 you got to pick one. You got yeah. to pick one. <laughs> and it's not, that, that's not a problem limited to history. It's, it's anything. People yes. will, people will read a, a tiny bit, just a little bit, and then they'll assume that they, a narrow authority on whatever they've read. Um, it, it, it's it's very prideful. It's very arrogant. Just just admit that there's a lot that you don't know, and, and that's that's perfectly fine to not know things and to not know not to know enough. I love how and so many people now when I talk about history say well, we got to talk about the losers in history because the winners were colonialists or it was colonization or we got to talk about the downfall and the laws. Like, okay, I want to talk about the South in the Civil War and maybe just flip the fuck out. Yeah. We'll, we'll, like, we'll, yeah, or the Second World War. Yep. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that one might get us taken down. <laughs> that was the. We learned about this for the first time when a few years ago the British Treasury tweeted, Here's today's surprising hashtag Friday fact. Millions of you helped end the slave trade through your taxes. And I'm sorry, but that is just not a good Friday fact. <laughs> the average person farts between 10 to 20 times per day. That is pretty good. Fish can cough. Now we're talking. Surprise, I know times are tough, but you just helped pay off the families of dead enslavers. No, absolutely fucking not. Save that shit for Monday, you buzzkill. <laughs> and for anyone thinking, well, that didn't happen on the watch of the modern monarchy. It is worth knowing, one of the most brutal atrocities carried out by the British actually happened in the first eight years of Elizabeth's reign and when Charles was alive. Because in the 1950s, while Kenya was still a British colony, an armed rebellion was launched by the Kikuyu people, who had lost land to white settlers and found themselves locked into a formal racial hierarchy that placed Europeans on top and Africans at the bottom. The British sent army reinforcements to put down the so-called Mau Mau uprising, describing the situation to the world back then like this. Agitators urged some of the Africans to free their country of the white man. There is little reliable information about the setup of the terrorist organization, for few members even know from whom they take their orders. They obey blindly, savagely attacking the defenseless, burning, looting, murdering. Kenya is the battlefield of a conflict that cannot end until the Mau Mau is dissolved forever. Oh, righty-ho. The trouble in Kenya comes not from the British who took over and stole land, but from the people whose land was stolen. Now, is there more to this story? Surely, but will you hear it coming from a voice that sounds like this? I say never. <laughs> never, I say. In crushing the uprising, the British instituted a system of detention camps, and 90,000 Kenyans were executed, tortured, or maimed during the crackdown, and an estimated 160,000 were detained in appalling conditions. For a long time, the British met outcry over this with a mixture of denial and defensiveness. In fact, just watch this interview with a former British colonial officer who'd been responsible for at least six of those detention camps. When asked about reports that soldiers had put their boots on the necks of detainees, 
He has an escalating exchange, culminating in the single longest pause you will ever see on television. I'll warn you, however long you think this pause is going to be, it's going to be much longer. Did you have cause to give the order to or yourself put your boot on their neck of these resistors, the ones that were howling? Um, can we stop talking for a moment? No, because I'd quite like you to answer that. I will answer it when I have stopped talking for a moment. Um, I'm sorry, but I, I... Well, do you have a problem with that question? No, it, it, it's, um, it's a um, hypothetical question. No, it's not. It's a very precise You've question. You've asked me, did I put my foot on anybody's neck? No. Did you cause the order to be given? Did you give the order to do that? Well, I was thinking about I wanted to kill a guy right now. I don't blame him. Are you not going to answer the question? No, I'm looking at you with um, <laughs> certain thoughts in my mind. <laughs> Caught it. Holy <laughs> shit. Caught it. <laughs> oh. nah, that's, that's how I feel watching John Oliver. <laughs> yes. Look at, look at that face. That is just a, that's a soy boy face. I mean, look, that is a world. Yes, it is. You're it's right. Just, it's prophetic. Just, oh, my God. Like, this... <laughs> Man, I. Buddhist, like uh, I have a joke I want to make about recalling certain Buddhist pastimes that may have also happened in the French Revolution. I, I'm not going to make the joke. I'm just going to allude to the joke. That um, yeah. If you are trying to conceal your role in supervising torture, here's a few quick tips. Don't respond to a simple question by taking a full 23 seconds to answer. Don't then issue a vague threat like some kind of cartoon villain. And finally, try not to glare malevolently at the interviewer with what I can only describe as war crime eyes. <laughs> and just to be clear, we don't know what the Queen knew. What she is briefed on is kept secret, very conveniently, but we do know what was done in her name by her government. Her face was on the money in Kenya. When Kenyan's captors sang their national anthem, it was a hymn so to if her we, protection. If we, if we abolish the monarchy, do we abolish slavery? Uh, not slavery, torture? Do we abolish torture if we abolish the monarchy? <laughs> I mean, you guys, uh, you, you guys um, ditched monarchy in, what, the 18th century? <laughs> so I assume there's been no instances of torture in the entire history of the United States of America. <laughs> not once, not one not once. torture. Nope, not we are once. perfectly escape free. Yeah, there was impeccable. definitely no torture in the Civil War or World War One, World War Two, or in the Iraq War. Bay. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> no Vietnam torture. No, nothing, nothing. We've never, yep, no, yeah, never. no waterboarding, no nothing. Absolutely, no. Listen, no, we are we are pristine, beautiful people because we are a democracy. Okay, the moment you start voting, the moment the people vote for things. Morality wins out all the time. Yeah, quite right. Uh, everyone knows that morality is, you know, determined by majority vote. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, if the majority votes for, you know, murdering babies, then murdering babies is completely morally fine and licit. Um, whatever the whatever the majority wants, that is, you know, that is what they deserve, and that's that that's moral and that's absolutely fine. Amen. <laughs> Ah, these these people.
I can't, I, I can't, I know I keep talking about it, but I can't get past it. He's just so gross looking. Yeah. No, <laughs> he just, is. It's just, it's just so off putting. Like, I just, yes, yeah, he's very, he, it's the eyebrows, I think. They're like it, slugs. I'm going to look at a photo of like this was a scrutin after this to kind of like put it in my face and like put my memory of this ugly Buddhist people. Just look at Walter Scruton. He's not he's not a great looking guy, but his, his hair was kind of funny, but he's much better looking than well Rod, Roger Scruton, he 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 looked professorial, didn't he? You know, yes. he, he looked like a scholar. His hair he, was somewhat disheveled. He, he is the platonic form of the scholarly. Scholar. Very yeah, much he, like Chesterton. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's just uh, you would you wouldn't say I, scruffy, but his wish, hair was somewhat unkempt. Could you imagine um, if Chesterton was alive today in writing against these late night hosts? <laughs> he just, would, he would. Oh, it'd be so beautiful. He would him go after H.G. Wells and other kind of people in his uh, uh, orthodoxy book. I think it's orthodoxy. It's just so much fun. I just imagine the amount of fun he would have writing about like John Oliver and Trevor Noah. Oh, it'd be amazing. He'd have the greatest substack. He would. <laughs> and we do know that she was not only characteristically silent about those atrocities, you know, in that charming style that everybody loved. But she also awarded that man an MBE, one of the country's highest honors, which is just appalling, unless the MBE stands for messiest bitch ever, in which case, yeah, I guess, I guess that might be appropriate. Men that like that didn't get a call anyone a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you're throwing stones at a glass house. You said your so house. What's, what's fascinating to me is that he's attacking the queen for awarding this man an MBE, but he knows full well that the Queen didn't do that. She, he knows that it's a ceremonial function and that it's been determined by the Honours Committee, not by the Queen. Uh, but then at the start of the video, he, he, he criticised the monarchy for having no power and for doing nothing and for being useless. So which is it? Does the monarchy have no power and is therefore, is therefore useless and needs to be abolished, or does the monarchy have too much power and therefore needs to be abolished? Can't be both. It has to be one or the other. Yeah. Okay, we got seven minutes left. Let's, let's power through. <laughs> if you are the symbol of a country, you represent what it does. And it is revealing that even decades later, when the British finally agreed to pay some compensation to a fraction of those who suffered in Kenya, this woman was very clear about who she wanted to hear from. Muthoni Mathenge is one of the few surviving Mau Mau independence fighters in Kenya. Britain has apologized for some abuses, but Mathenge did not get the compensation paid to other rebels. She's calling on the Queen for help before it's too late. Let Elizabeth bring what belongs to me. That's what I want to say. No middlemen in between. Let the compensation come directly to me. She should look for a sensible person and send it here. Yeah, that's completely understandable, and particularly the send a sensible person point, because when you are dealing with the royal family, it's very much worth remembering that unless you stipulate otherwise, you could end up being sent someone like this. Oh, take that crazy rhythm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even, even the black guy next to him is having a good time. You see that laugh yeah. on his face? Like, everyone's smiling. That is hilarious. That is incredible. I think John Oliver is perhaps jealous of the king's natural, um, natural humour. Uh, which he obviously covets as a comedian. Yes, it's it's, it's his kind of like the, the king's charisma is very different than like a normal charismatic guy. But he just has a way of carrying himself. It looks like that he just 
he just looks fun. Like I would love yes. like, like not, I say it often, but like, if you, like, you know, get a beer with this guy. You know, it's like, this is being a guy I want to go to pub with. You know, he looks but like he'd other, be a fun guy to be around. Yeah, other other upper class or higher born people. I think of like David Cameron, uh, who's an, an Etonian uh, from the higher echelons of British society, but he tried to concoct this public image of being an ordinary everyday man. You know, he was like, uh, call me Dave, man of the people, Vox Populi. Um, but the, 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 the king, Charles, has never, um, never pretended to be something that he's not. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's never pretend, you know, he's never, um, never tried to be relatable in a very false or phony way. Yeah. Uh, but nor is he um, pompous or, or arrogant. Like um, Oliver. Like Oliver. I don't get the impression that the king thinks he's, um, you know, innately superior. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he, he, he founded the, the Prince's Trust, a charity that helps, you know, uh, the, the lower orders, you know, um, poorer people. Uh, I don't think there's any pretense to superiority. And nobody wants that. Nobody. The point is, you can't say you're just a symbol and bear no responsibility for the, how the institutions that you are the head of behave. Take the Church of England, of which the monarch is the head. In Canada, it played a role in their system of residential schools for Indigenous children who were forcibly separated from their families and sent to government-funded, church-run boarding schools in an attempt to assimilate them. Horrific abuses happened in those schools. And while they were largely run by... The same guy who probably celebrates uh, the fourth segment, uh, what that's so gay and putting all these kids in one school. You know, look at the look at the ways what happened in the, the American schools when they when at some case ended, they put the black students and the white students in one school. You probably celebrate just like, like oh, America's coming together, you know. But when other company, other country does it to indigenous people, it's like, well, we're going to put them in the schools because you know they need education. Again, the CPP people giving them government funded school one. I mean. You get them as a case in a government-funded search program in a school, and that's the only hope of sending them to Kosovo. I don't see why that is so bad. Why is it bad to take people who are in, probably won't get access to good education and saying, "Hey, we are going to give you good education now"? Yeah, the the, the the principle of the thing isn't wrong. I don't think. Um, of course, there were historical abuses, but well, I don't think that's that... an, I don't think that's an indictment of the principle of the thing. Like you no, said, no, I think no. it's probably a good idea to pursue assimilation. What you don't want is segregated communities, uh, because you know that's that's fractured. You can't have a nation if, if if the nation is composed of people who are completely separate from one another, uh, with no sense of shared identity or belonging. Yeah. Um, and you're right, Oliver would um you know he would applaud the integration of white and black students, um, but in this instance he doesn't, which is contradictory, I think. What sucks this entire time I'm watching this video is I know several people who, if they saw this video, would make the same exact arguments to me. <laughs> they would just quote this to a T. It's yes. So they would they would listen, absorb, and then regurgitate without any reflection, any critical reflection, without any thought. <laughs> <sighs> Sad by the Catholic Church, the Church of England operated approximately three dozen of them, giving up control of the last one in 1969, which is pretty fucking recent. 
Early this year, Charles visited Canada and made a point of showing up in a garden that paid tribute to the victims of those schools. But when it came to showing remorse for what had happened, that seemed to be off the table, because just listen to one Indigenous leader who briefly spoke with Charles that day describe their entire exchange. He did say... Um, Is that Mike Pence? I think we were too bad on you. Exchange. He did say... Um, I think we were too bad on you. Is it just me, or does he look like Mike Pence? This guy? Yeah. I see it in the hail. He's got the very silver... So you don't have to see a, a guy who's that was like he's just who has hair where it can be like that kind of slick silver back kind of thing. <laughs> um, I hope we were too bad on you. I didn't get a chance to respond, so we moved on. Uh, Prince Wally in this country, uh, you should apologize to the Aboriginal people for the, for this trauma that we've gone through for 500 years. I swear to God, if I have to hear the word trauma one more time. <laughs> The amount of people who just refer to like, oh, well, my religious trauma, my family trauma. It's, I, it's, I one, it's one of their favorite buzzwords. Jay, um, our <laughs> tweet of Jay's about religious trauma. Oh, you know the one. Yes, it's, like it's such a great tweet. Some, some girl talking about religious trauma. It's like your priest or your pastor or whatever told you not to fuck everyone. My religious trauma is <laughs> that I had my foreskin forcibly removed. <laughs> oh, that's a great tweet. Um, yeah, it's so trauma, it's but trauma buzzword. It's so frustratingly stupid. I saw um, every time I see a Native American or an Indigenous person start complaining about you know getting their land stolen from them, I just have the urge to scream, "What home court advantage wasn't enough?" <laughs> it's, uh, these people. That's what? not a waste of statement, YouTube. I have no problem, no ways this works with Indigenous people. If no I say satire. people, it's purely satire. Exactly, this is all satire. We are pro democracy supporters on this podcast. Yeah, long, we with, long live the child murdering regime. Yeah, we, we are. We love liberalism. We love democracy. We love the Enlightenment. Uh, the French Revolution didn't go far enough. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hope we weren't too bad on you, he said, before walking away, which I know. Might seem bad to you, but as a symbol of Britain, it's honestly pretty on brand. It doesn't seem that bad to me, honestly. Like, if you walk into a line of people and shaking hands and saying things, saying, I hope it wasn't too, hope it wasn't too bad. And saying, saying we, hope, saying, like, yeah, he is taking someone responsibility by saying, I hope we weren't too bad on you. You know, I mean, I don't really yeah. see what's so wrong with that statement, you know? There was no, I don't think there was any malicious intent in that statement. Unless you Again. were on your knees groveling to these people, is, is that is that what enough. Oliver is that is that what Oliver would be content with? If the Probably. king, if the king was to kneel before you know the the the, the traumatized uh, Aboriginal people, and beg for their forgiveness um, for for the sins of his father. Not even the sins of his father. I mean, um, the 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 the, the, the school, these school. I don't know an awful lot about these schools or what they did, but I mean. They were run by the Church of England. Yes, the king or the queen is the titular head of the Church of England, but the monarch's not intimately involved in the operations of the church. She doesn't decide what the church does or the policy of its, you know, boarding schools. This, this video is... I'm tired of it. We're almost done, but I'm, I'm just so frustrated with this guy already. <laughs> You keep calm, and now, if you'll excuse me, I will carry on. <laughs> and look, I know across Commonwealth countries there are a range of views on this, especially among the older generation, as incredibly 
even some who suffered under British rule can still feel strong affection for the Queen personally, even if they didn't love what she represented. And some argue, if the royal family is just ceremonial now, where is the real harm? But the ceremonial can still have the power to infuriate. And to see that, let's go back to Australia, because shortly before the Queen died, Lydia Thorpe, an Indigenous Australian senator, was taken... She doesn't look very Aboriginal. She doesn't look like an Indigenous Australian. Maybe there's some... Is that the Australian um, Lizza... What's it called? What's her name? The uh, Pocahontas... Um, <laughs> Oh my God! What is her name? Hold on. I know I've seen no. I've seen pictures of Australian Aborigines and they don't they don't look like her. Uh, oh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, this is Elizabeth Warren of, of Australia. She like um yeah Pocahontas like how people have I don't know very very minor Aboriginal <laughs> heritage but they. They claim to be an Aborigine. I don't know. This episode of South Park where they have Thanksgiving and the kids have to sit through this like uh, guest speaker in the school who's like a Native <laughs> American talking about the harms done to his people, and a white guy with red hair walks in with like tribal earrings in yeah. on his ears, and he goes, "My people were harmed by the white man." It's <laughs> 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 such a great joke. Oh. Um, let's see what this woman does. Her to swear allegiance to the queen something she understandably had a bit of a problem with, so this is what she did. Please recite the affirmation on the card handed to yeah. I, Sovereign Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm that I will be faithful and I bear true allegiance to the colonising Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Senator Thorpe, Senator Thorpe, you are required to recite the oath as printed on the card. Yeah, they actually forced her to read what was printed on the card verbatim. So she did that, but credit to her, because she then employed a tone of voice that did a lot of heavy lifting for her. I, Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Her hairs and successes according to Luke. What a disgusting person. Yeah, well what a what a what a what a self-absorbed person. Just read, you know, it, it it's a procedural requirement. Just just uh, if you're an elected official, is this really, you know, haven't you got better things to do? Haven't you got to represent the interests of your constituents rather than participating in this in this nauseating display of self-indulgence and you know there were, there were obese women with dyed hair going you go girl bad bits time <laughs> to this video and i personally want to strangle all of them yeah I, I, you couldn't because the necks are too large to to, to possibly i got so, i got these strong survey in hand man i could i could fit it <laughs> This is going to get this. This video might not stay up. I want to move to Odyssey. <laughs> okay. I hate that she was forced to do that, but I absolutely love the way that she was able to make a pledge to a fancy old lady on the other side of the world sound exactly as stupid as it fucking is. <laughs> and look, to go by recent polls, Australia, like the UK, seems unlikely to let go of the monarchy anytime soon. But other Commonwealth countries are already preparing to do so. Last year, Barbados removed the Queen as head of state. Jamaica 
is looking to have a referendum to do the same within the next three years, with one poll showing a majority supports it. And Antigua and Barbuda, uh, Grenada and Belize seem to be moving in the same direction. And while the royal family has said that these countries are free to leave if they so choose, they also refuse to reckon with why they might want to do that in the first place. Instead, they've continued working hard to be perceived as a mere symbol while never taking responsibility for what that symbol excused, all while ignoring calls for true apologies and reparations to those who suffered tremendously because of what was done in their name. And look, you don't have to hate the royal family personally. I, I mean, Google Prince Philip racism or Prince Andrew everything and see where you land, but you don't have to hate them. You don't even have to think that the institution shouldn't exist, but if it's going to continue to, it is fair to expect significantly more from them. Because right now, far too often, they can, hide behind you can, the you can never give enough shield to these people. of politeness and never, manners which... You can never give enough to these losers. Unless they are constantly on their knees groveling to these, other, to these traumatized and victimized people, they will never be satisfied. This idea that they, they just do it once. They go, oh, we'll just do it once and it's over. No, they're never satisfied. The mob will never be satisfied with you. These people frequently demands the silence of anyone who might criticize them or what they stand for. Will this segment even air on Sky TV in Britain? I honestly don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But if they do cut it out for being disrespectful, they might want to seriously think about why. Why they and everyone else are working so hard not to offend a family whose name was branded into people's skin and who sit atop a pile of stolen wealth wearing crowns adorned with other countries' treasures. And if there is an answer to that, I would love to hear it. Though if history is any guide, I'm guessing that I'm just going to get an icy stare while you think certain <laughs> thoughts in your head. But I really hope that they don't cut this piece, partly because this is a long overdue conversation that really needs to be had, and partly because absolutely no audience deserves to be subjected to 25 straight minutes of this. <laughs> The mindless clapping from these idiots. <sighs> well, that's enough of that. Wait, is that is that the end of the video? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I want to apologise to our viewers. Um, who we have zero. Right we, have, we have zero people of, uh, watching. They Oliver. probably couldn't get through it. <laughs> I really am sincerely sorry. <laughs> just, oh my god. Never again. I'm not doing that again. I, I I don't care what Donald Oliver says, unless it is just so egregiously awful that I feel like I should be, it'd be fun to respond to it. I I can't. I'm not going to suffer through looking at him again. That's my quota for the next year and a half. Never. Um, any final thoughts on defense of the monarchy, Donald Oliver's attacks, or a kind of a late night comedian's effect on pop on the, on the general population? Yeah. Well, I. We don't really have the, the phenomenon of late night comedians in Britain. I don't think so. I don't watch an awful lot of television, uh, but I don't think we have them. Um, we have talk shows, you know, where celebrities co come on and get interviewed, but we don't have, um, we don't have these um, like current affairs, political late night programs. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure what they're, effect on you know on the public in america actually is perhaps you could tell me what power these people actually wield in numbers of views honestly they don't get a lot of views um in comparison like other broadcasts or other content but they do get 
the the attitude that they they project is kind of like the like, uh, like the same kind of way Ricky Gervais or it's really the way you know the, the midwits the way the midwits kind of think oh if I can just dismiss your Siri or make it sound funny I I sound smart because I see the humor in your stupidity that's yes. what they do that is the attitude that is kind of like. I don't know if it's a what's the signal of the egg. I don't know which one came first. I do know late night comedians reaffirm that his proper behavior in the eyes of these people. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's he's not even funny. I mean, not only does he make bad arguments, he's it's, it's just not funny. I, I I wasn't even slightly amused once. Yeah. Um, the whole the whole thing was just like you say, thinly veiled verbal insults disguised as rational argument um it's like well i'm opposed to this institution so i'm going to mock the institution and people uh stupid people will perceive mocking something as uh as equivalent to making an argument against it (laughs) but no they're not equivalent not at all it's like when someone, when a smart or clever person comes by and writes like a satire of a historical event, you know, or the, the funny like satire piece on something to kind of like be, I don't know, the there is proper uses of satire, you know, but yes. a satire cannot just be your entire argument, and you can't make everything you do is attempted. If I just satirize you, what you just said back to you, yeah, then I but, but it's, now. But it's it's not it's not just satire. It's it's very low blow insults. Yes. That's the humor. The humor is very insult driven. Um, like how many times did he basically say that the royal family was inbred? Um, he made a joke about the gene pool being large. He made a joke about the king being the product of incest. Um, he ridiculed the king twice for the, for uh, that um, comment he made about... Um, <laughs> What was it? I can't remember. The, the, um, with, with the black, funky, funky rhythm. Yeah, yeah, or the something. groovy rhythm or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, he made fun of made, just the whole thing was in verbal insults. Um, it's just it's not funny. That's not really my kind of humor, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's not my kind of humor, but it's humor. It's humor. It's humor I, think, I think a lot of people in America, particularly with my yeah, age, it's very, are, it's are, a very, it's a very base and unintelligent humor. Very um, American. Just mocking people, <laughs> making fun of people. So, yes. Well, we've gone for an hour and thirty minutes. Uh, I apologize. Your first time coming on a podcast is is making you watch all of it, but now you you through the worst of it. It's, it can only go up from here. Yeah. Well, surprisingly, there's a lot of material and a lot of conversation that we've managed to derive from like 20, 25 minutes of John Oliver. Um, he's he he's like like you say, he is a sort of uh, typical example of the modern midwit, the modern. Um, semi-intelligent midway he's obviously not an idiot but he is a midway um yeah there's actually a great uh trend horn video because don albert that whole video defending um transition of kids uh trans bathrooms and transgender ideology and uh trend horn did a fantastic job tearing him a new one i recommend everybody listening if you can if you can still make more don oliver uh i recommend you watch that one after this or sometimes yeah, well, why am i not surprised that john oliver is a defender of gender ideology uh that's no that's completely expected yeah i will say it is interesting to see how much of like the the left left the uh leftist language buzzwords are in here like you we have to have a conversation yes. you know but you don't conversation, have to have a conversation trauma yeah. um one one of the colonialism most, yeah colonialism one of the one of the most um just nauseating buzzwords uh is uh what would they call lived experience what the yeah, hell does that, that mean or there's like my my truth 
that's one they that's one they like to use. Um, that one's the the oddest nonsensical, you know. And yes, it's, like it's the amount of times where people when you make it you make an actual joke that has truth in it, and other people just go, "That's that's killer, that's wrong," and I'm like, "Is it? Why? Why am I wrong?" <laughs> and they just go, "Well, because," and you realize they say that, "Well, because," and they pause and they blink, and you realize they actually don't know why it's wrong; they just know it's supposed to be wrong. And that's the only way they can go forward from there. They have no idea what actually is right or wrong. They just know what they, they're told is supposed to be wrong. Yeah, they they they, they, they know it's they, yeah yeah they know it's contrary to the orthodoxy, and that it's you know that's not something that one is supposed to joke about. But they can't really articulate why. Yeah. It's just something that they've accepted as axiomatic truth. <laughs> oh. the liberal disease of the mind. Mm-hmm. Well, Has, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people oh, find thank you? Thank you for inviting me. Um, this has been surprisingly thoroughly enjoyable, despite despite it being John Oliver. Yeah. Well, where can people find you at? What are your plugs? Um, well, it's just Twitter. It's uh, Hazlitt underscore free. And I have a blog, which you can find under my profile. Again, I seldom post there, but when I do, um, sometimes people find it mildly interesting. Wonderful. Uh, you're listening, uh, Baz. Uh, he's on Twitter. His description is also uh, both of you guys' uh, Twitter is in the description. Go, he was only here a little bit, but still go ahead and subscribe, follow him. Yes, subscribe Baz, to Baz, Baz writes far more frequently than I do, and what he writes is far more uh, interesting than, than what I write. He's um, a fantastically intelligent fellow. Yes, he is. Really fun all, of our, all of our circle are just yes. astonishingly <laughs> clever and um, precocious. Yes. Um, and well, well, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, like, comment, share, subscribe, follow Has, follow Baz. Austin Tom was a Patreon below. We're gonna work out. You get, uh, sign up, get access to the Discord, get a few cool perks. You know, we have a merch store with T-shirts and hats. Um, uh, I don't have any podcast. I only have one more po- podcast planned for this month. Uh, I'm gonna take the rest of the month off after Wednesday. I'm having Owen McIntyre on to talk about uh, Machia- uh, Machiavelli's The Prince. So that'd be a lot of fun. So make sure you like, comment, say, subscribe, the whole YouTube, you know, thing. Um, thanks for listening. Have a good night.